Okay, welcome back to part two of our special New Universe Season 1 recap, covering issues one through six. All right, so yeah, so we've, we've covered the first six issues of Kickers Incorporated. Uh, it's also our website, kickersinc.com. Go check it out. I, I, I can only guess that, uh, you know, this is on the lower end of Marvel's IP if I could afford to get that domain name so cheap, so... <laughs> you don't think the mouse is going to come after us soon <laughs> I, I i don't worry about it too much no i think like dp7 is also maybe like a soccer team in europe or something so oh. it's like they'll they'll give you that domain for like a hundred thousand dollars or <laughs> euro but um yeah maybe we can get sponsored by the your the soccer team <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what might keep doing these hashtags. Like, why does he keep showing up? <laughs> nice. Uh, but yeah, so Kickers Inc. That's our our football squad. Um, so uh, we met Mister Magnificent, uh, who was already a star football player, but he was exposed to the white event and his shifty brothers. Uh, cheating machine you know it's, it's, to get it's like edge. steroids but it's legal right uh, because they haven't banned it yet <laughs> uh, but you know i i like it because it's you know not to get too far ahead of the recap but, but yeah so the white event definitely impacts him and then he gets into this machine which seems like it activates the power uh, like as he's in it and he throws the switch, you know, something happens, he glows, you know, he gets the super strength. Uh, in my head, it's not quite so simple. Like it could very well be coincidence because I'm, I'm skeptical of whether uh, my maybe second favorite character, Steve Magnaconti's machine actually ever was supposed to do anything or if it was just <laughs> a total scam. I think it's funnier if it's a total scam. Uh, um, but yeah, so he gets these powers. Uh, his brother unfortunately dies to some uh, lone shark goons, uh, and they form Kickers Inc. Right? You have this crazy idea that you know, all right, so I'm going to do some good with these powers and solve people's problems. Right? That could include like, you know, which government agencies should you send your forms to? Like <laughs> the, the original iteration of Kickers Inc. was, you know. They could solve, they'll help anybody with anything. But then if something weird or like unusual or something that, uh, you know, you can't just call the police for happens, then Kicker's Inc. will spring into action. Um, so he joins with his non-powered teammates and his wife uh, to go and have some fun and solve some problems. Um, there was a robot terrorizing an older woman's rose garden, which turned out to be terrorists. Uh, with some fancy gear, uh, the hand, right? Fist. The fist. fist. Oh, the hand is the ah! Marvel one. <laughs> no. Yeah, totally they're unrelated um, to the hand. <laughs> yeah, fist. <laughs> we forgot about when fist came back and it was leaving them like crank calls. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, so he fought sort of the fist's leader and kind of punched him in the jaw and like broke his jaw and he, you know we got a like fleeing terrorist leader kind of like menacingly like kind of 
you think he's going to come back and cause problems. And then when we eventually hear from him again, you know, like they're, they're leaving pranks in his, his football locker and, you know, giving him prank phone calls basically, which was, I think yeah. perhaps unintentionally hilarious. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, uh, we'll see if they come back, but it, um, Middle Eastern terrorist is a is a um, common villain type. Uh, we see several uh, examples of already in the new universe, and so between Russians and Middle Eastern terrorists, you'll feel like um, all those old cliches are new again. Yeah, and and evil maybe maybe not governmental organizations right like that's the trifecta of the new universe villainy governmental slash uh, like industrial military complex there's yeah. a lot of like business guys are also sketchy so yeah the club the clinic you know these things where it could either be a health spa or you know some <laughs> rich horrible dude who's gonna hire mercenaries to kill you <laughs> one, one of the two yeah you know Maybe in the case of Steelhawk, a little bit of both. <laughs> Indeed. But uh, um, yeah, recap. <laughs> yeah, we also had a, a good uh, college professor gone bad. The, yeah, uh, a chemist, no less. Yeah, and uh, it actually made sense. You know, they, they didn't just pull that out of thin air that like the guy was doing sketchy hallucinogenic. Uh, Hallucinogenic uh, compound testing on unsuspecting teenagers. That yeah. was probably done all the time in the 60s now that I think about it. Especially if you lose funding. So <laughs> that, that can drive the best scientists to crazy town. Uh, yeah, that, you know, again, some strange comic stories that end up being actually kind of fun. Uh, there's a crossover with DP7 where uh, the kickers. Um, essentially we're kind of hired by Stephanie from DP seven's kids, you know, to find her. And then they ended up trying to help. Um, but it didn't turn out so well. Yeah. They tried, that was their first, uh, actual paranormal they were exposed to was DP seven. And at first they were kind of put off by it. And then they ended up, um, sort of turned around by the clinic and, um, getting a fight. So it was a good uh, issue of Kickers, Inc. It was also by the same creative team as the regular DP7 crew. So, um, yeah, yeah it, was, they, it was definitely a DP7 issue. <laughs> but for like a guy, as I, it still cracks me up. Like his own wife is saying like, Jack, you, you know, you're four or five or six times stronger than a normal person and bulletproof. And he's like, yeah, but these people are weird. <laughs> They're the real weirdos. Mm. I'm perfectly normal. So, yeah, we get a little bit of like the attitude of the world, I think, through Jack and that. Yeah. But he's a cocky football player guy, right? And, uh, you know, essentially, he's kind of, of the, uh, I mean, now you can picture a, a, like a Tom Brady in that role and be like, yeah, I can, you know, see him kind of charming everyone or like, rolling over everything and just yeah whatever you say man that's yeah that almost could have been a a nice addition to you know his sort of moral question but like you know like what if he were like an aging football star who who has won it all but he's starting to slip right and then he gains this power which puts him 
into the stratosphere. So of course he doesn't want to give it up or doesn't want to give up football, but still kind of questionable. Because right, uh, right. yeah, like I think I made the original comparisons to like Captain America, you know, but you know, having a soldier sort of gain the ability to really fight for his country and you know that kind of thing, you know, it's very different for you know. Steve Rogers is very different from Jack Magnaconti, who has got a bit more of a grit, morally gray, selfish streak. Yeah, but um, I mean, we recognize it probably more now than you would have at the time. But like, celebrity is its own superpower in a way. And oh yeah, I don't know. They they sort of use it sometimes, but it's um, um, yeah, he'll he'll like the cops will like form a motorcade to get him through traffic quickly or something. It's like, yeah, you know, that's, he's got an edge. Yeah. And, th- and that essentially was part of the issue six where, you know, we got introduced to that there's sort of conflict between the owner of the football team and the coach who maybe wants to get rid of Mr. Magnificent. Um, he also, you know, rescued, people on an airplane from a hijacker, but in doing so, you know, put his powers sort of on display a little bit. And now there's some investigators who are kind of on his case, you know, in the end, we've we've, showed them uh, starting to piece together uh, what really happened. And well, he, a bullet bounced off of him and a kid saw it essentially. Um, yeah, so I c- conflict with the team and the coach wants to get rid of him and conflict with the police, perhaps in the future, or maybe they'll just forget about all those things and just write some other stories. We don't know. Yeah, it's, it's always an <laughs> open question. Yeah, I mean, it's maybe it's a good opportunity for them, because if you you're exposed as having powers, but you're exposed when you're doing something heroic. That's really like the key between like the Marvel universe and the new universe is ever all these people with powers are scared and sort of hiding them or running or, you know, being hunted. Um, and there's no like open superheroes to like sort of, oh, this guy runs around and solves crime. I could do that, too. Or, you know, so it leads them um, into these moral questions and. So one thing that I actually found out very recently, what I thought was very interesting was, um, so as far as the book goes, uh, by issue six, its creator, Tom DeFalco, is off the book, not writing or plotting or anything. Um, But uh, the story goes from Tom himself that um, he had the idea for this book, then it kind of got roped in as a new universe book. And so the original idea was, you know, a football team, football players team. Uh, but it sounded more like kind of like crazy adventures. Like they maybe have a supercar and, you know, go out and solve problems. And then the football thing was just kind of how they bonded as a team. Um, mm-hmm. Supposedly Jim Shooter loved it and like, all right, let's do a football book for the new universe. And then kind of like, oh, well, wait, like this is supposed to be a really realistic book, right? So none of that crazy adventure stuff, more about, um, you know, dealing with powers and, you know, our grounded scientific universe kind of thing. Um, And it didn't sound like that really Tom DeFalco wanted to do that, um, but he kind of felt like he had to. And so there's a little conflict between, you know, what the book was supposed to be and then, you know, 
the new universe version of it. Um, and, and I think like, and I, thinking back, there's, there's a piece in one of the Kickers Inc. episodes where I think Suicide is talking and he's like, you know, why can't we go back on those fun adventures like the robot and the rose garden kind of stuff. And like in my head, that's like to Falco, like, you know, why can't we do more of these stories? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kickers really starts off um, Herb Trimpey doing a, a strong uh, Jack Kirby impression. And they literally have like their their minor character with the coach be Coach Kirby. Yeah. So I think originally it was like, you know, imagine what Kirby could have done in like 65 and just going off the, you know, crazy adventures. He got to go around the world. And, you know, I mean, those, those things had no, no uh, filter at all. Um, and I mean, even the 80s, that was kind of old, old fashioned, but um, yeah, you can imagine it would be fun. I don't know. Um, could be, yeah. But, you know, it's like a lot of things. You make a compromise and Kickers Inc. You know, I, I don't know. There's always something sort of unsatisfying about how they how they worked out, like always uh, hiding Jack's powers and the sort of moral dilemma that comes from that when it wasn't really necessary. Uh, so I don't know. Um, yeah, it's uh, like I'm pretty sure the first book like the first issue even had like a lot of rewrites um and like sort of changes in the story even even i i think down to like one of my favorite lines you know in talking about steve magna conti and his his machine like i think his line where like it was just supposed to buzz you know was it like a fix right so yeah, did somewhere no idea what you know where that was originally supposed to be headed kind of thing but but it added that uncertainty in such a way that it just makes it like super interesting to me. Like I should go back and see if we see Steve's dead body, because remember that GI Joe movie where like they were going to kill um, Duke or someone yeah. and they're like, Oh no, he's just in a coma and they don't like cut back to him at all. And it's like, <laughs> obviously they just changed some of the voiceovers. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that might actually be the case because I think I tried to find the panel where he died and it's very unclear. Yeah. Um, well, let's assume that Steve's brother or Jack's brother Steve died and things more or less happened. But yeah, the connection to the white event is again a little tenuous, but we'll sort of shrug it off and go with it. Um, so where we've got now... Um, if they stick with this creative team or at least editorial direction, yeah, it should be um, at least fun to go along with. It's not like over the top Kirby fun, but it's got several elements and characters we kind of uh, enjoy. Um, yeah, I teammates think I might are just be... oh, good. No, I was going to say the teammates. I do have sort of distinct sort of over the top personalities. We don't, we're not like hearing about their childhood, but you know, you, you can always sort of uh, see their, their like boastful athletic pro athlete kind of uh, positive attitude all the time. Yeah. I, I never know what to expect in the next issue of kickers Inc. <laughs> and uh, 
yeah, it, 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 it can go quite all over the place. I think I've built the mythology of Steve Magnaconti in, in my head, like more than anyone in, in the existence, probably. But we, he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't really do much, but I just love the idea of it. But if Steve had the power and uh, we'll take over Jack's job on the football team, because uh, <laughs> well, now that you've uh, said that, maybe his death is a little mysteriously off panel kind of stuff maybe that leaves the door open for my fan fiction where he teams up with like big bridget from uh spitfire in the prison and <laughs> the uh, exploding pimple i guy was using big bridget in my uh chained heat uh <laughs> fan fiction <laughs> sorry dude um yeah the, that article he pointed out about defalco and kicker's inc the the term they were using was uh, or looking for was exquisite corpse. That's when you have like a story and like one person starts it for a paragraph and then they give it to someone else and it can just go anywhere. Um, that's probably like what it feels like sometime. But okay, um, should I give that a grade? Um, Whose turn is it to go first? I forget. Oh. I'm wondering if I should. Um, yeah, I'll give it a B minus just for its sort of off consistent quality. Um, but in 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 the the range of things I'm enjoying. So yeah, I think it's it. I have the hardest time grading this one out of all because it's kind of fun and interesting and there's little tidbits um, where it isn't necessarily like a great comic and there's definitely some inconsistencies. Uh, so yeah, I think compared to... I'll go with just straight B, I think. You know, just maybe a little biased of my enjoyment of it. Um, <laughs> Definitely not not as good as Sci Force, um, but I guess it's around my enjoyment level of Spitfire and and such. So, yeah, so fair enough. I will differentiate slightly from you this time. Ah, uh, let's see. Differentiating sounds like war, and war sounds like Mark Hazard Merck. Yeah, that's not really a great segue either. So Mark Hazard is a owned it, veteran, which in 1986 is only, he's only 42 years old. Uh, he's currently a mercenary, a soldier of fortune, and he's, um, so his job is to go around um, engaging in, you know, real combat. So it's more like a war comic at the time. Um, those were down to maybe Sergeant Rock was still running. Um, it's uh, not very tied into the rest of the new universe at all because there's no white event, there's no powers, there's no paranormals. Um, it's all just gritty, mono a mono type action. And um, so for realism, it's really the top. Um, I mean, sometimes it's, you know, a little cinematic realism but it's not like um the it's not even the punisher you know it's it's pretty uh toned down from there 
Yeah, it's, it's grounded to a degree. So he's a guy who lives um, back in New York City in a nice apartment, but he's estranged from his ex-wife and the son who live in uh, Brooklyn or something. So the first issue it starts off with him showing his mercenary uh, skills and how he goes about that line of work with a uh, um, something sort of inspired by Philippine Revolution against uh, Ferdinand Marcos, I guess, um, in the 80s. And um, when he gets back home, he's trying to reconnect with his uh, son and possibly ex-wife. I, I think there's still some connection there, um, even though she's remarried. Um, he goes to a little league game that his son's playing at, and he's attacked by foreign agents. Um, this is a good. Uh, this is one of our books that always has a kill count. Um, what was the highest? Ten last issue. I think nine. Oh, okay, so it's not yeah, like 10. no ten is right. So it's not like you know hundreds of people killed, but um, in a in a comic book. Uh, world in the last couple of decades where killing was the you know absolutely never ever ever done it's noticeably different it's not really a lot of actual death in like captain america or something the, in, um, in 1986 so it's after the uh, little league massacre uh <laughs> He's, uh, the cops want him to stay put, but he skips town to work on a job down in Philadelphia, protecting an Israeli politician from, yes, Middle Eastern terrorists. Um, then when he comes back uh, after more um, exciting action, he's threatened by a government agent to maybe work for them. Um, and he sort of offers him this, like, you can go around and be our guy cleaning up people that you know it's all very like sketchy stuff and mark is has sort of a conscience that he's not going to um you know he's not like a soldier who who will do anything he's told so um i don't know if you'd call it if it's in the contract (laughs) um so he's, he got attacked by more terrorists in New York, and they sort of left things up in the air, whether he was going to need, um, going to go to jail, or his lawyer was going to be able to get him out, or what. And then we had a creative change, and suddenly Mark um, was helping a, one of his old friends um, get his sister back from a biker gang, where she'd either been kidnapped or fallen in love with the biker leader. Um, And after that, the last issue was a bit... um, Bad? Yeah, disappointing with Mark going on a business trip to the middle of Europe and um, fighting Nazis, which, sure, always sounds like fun, but eh, not every time, I guess. Um, so he's got, uh, suddenly some issues with his old teammates, um, Treetop and Mal, these guys who were always with them before. And, uh, a woman who showed up in the last, uh, couple of issues named Priestess seems to be, uh, increasing her role in the book. And I don't know, the, 
the uh, writer Doug Murray was um, had just started on Marvel's The Nam, the story of the Vietnam War, and it was pretty well regarded. So he's he's kind of a guy from the war um, comic um, background. Um, I'm not sure if he's just sort of taking a while getting his footing here, but we're not quite sure. But I think he's going to be on there for a while. So we'll see where it goes. Mark Hazard Mark started off pretty strong. Those first uh, two or three uh, issues were pretty enjoyable. Um, and then um, they were written by Peter David, I should say. Um, the last couple written by Doug Murray, we've been like, Okay, let's see where this goes. So that's about where we're at with that. Crossing our fingers. Yeah, it's a it's a little sad. I think like if we had a long or even like a you know a, a mini series sized run of just Peter David and like Gray Morrow, like the original writer art team kind of thing. Mm, um, yeah, yeah, it could have been a really strong book. I mean, even could. yeah, yeah, bi monthly maybe, so Morrow would have time to do it. Yeah. But uh, not necessarily. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I mean, that's really a thing you could say about a couple of the new universe is that, um, you know, it, it would have worked well as a mini maybe, but if they didn't have the ideas to keep it going, you know, it, it, it felt like they were trying too hard sometimes to keep it going in a new direction. So. Um, yeah, it may very well have benefited from like not trying to stay on schedule so much. Right, right. So, it, yeah, the New Universe start you know started with all these books at once, and versus the original Marvel Universe started with Fantastic Four, and then like three or four months later, the Hulk, I think, and it was like a year before Spider Man and a couple other things come up. So by the time they get to like eight strong titles, that's like three years in. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I know they wanted to make a big splash, but I don't know, man. Yeah. Um, sort of um, when they lost the money, the funding for that, scaling back their expectations might have been a wiser move. I don't know. True. But then we wouldn't have gotten it all probably right like if you had scaled back budget and scaled back expectations then i mean it may have just kind of launched fizzled and faded with only one or two books you know like if it was only yeah star brand I was, like you're not going to remember this whole universe you know yeah i was trying to think of like how that would what, what would like the sweet spot would be because you in one book is just one book um two maybe like three to four, you're definitely have a, you know, a range. And then you could do those like one coming out every week. So you got sort of a more consistent newsstand presence. I don't know. Yeah, it, it works. The new universe works for me in it's sort of all over the place ishness, right? Like I, some people will criticize Mark Hazard because it doesn't really I mean, it could very well just not be in the new universe because there's no paranormals yet and no white event. Mm -hmm. um, but I kind of like that. I, I like that it's, you know, it's exploring a corner of the, the of 1986 that uh, 
you know, it's not flush with weirdos with powers everywhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, truly. If you want, if, 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 if you wanted a sort of alternate universe, then yeah, by all means, the, they did try to have genre diversity and that's really, I think, undercounted. A lot of people are like, well, I want to have, you know, eight books and they're all superhero team books or something. And you're like, you know, having a, a war book and a solo title and a team book and, all, you know, that's, it's more organic. It feels good. I don't know. I think there was yeah, like, go ahead. Like the image universe launch, you know, I, I think I, it kind of passed me by when it happened. I wasn't like a jumping into it kind of deal, but looking back on it, it's like, you know, edgy superhero, edgy superhero, another edgy superhero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just... I don't, to this day, I don't know. Wildcats from young blood from, um, uh, uh, what was the top cow one? I forget. Sylvester's. Cyber Force? Darkness? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Mm. So, Mark Hazard, uh, I will be generous and give it a B minus. I don't know. I think I, I did the math on this one. While you were talking, I broke out my calculator. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, like, first issue, first two, I give an A. Next two, I'd give like a B. And then the last couple, I would be kind and give a C, you know, which pretty much averages out to be a, I think I gave actually the second to a B plus and, and did the math and it's 85.33s. So oh, nice. That's a B for me. Nice. Nice. But yeah, it's a tale of many books. So it's, yeah. Yeah. We, Peter we, David's we Mark Hazard Merck would be a title I would recommend to people. Grab the first three or four issues without hesitation. <laughs> And then if you want to read the rest. Yeah. And maybe it'll get good, but we'll let you know and just listen to the podcast. Yeah, we'll uh we'll stick with it. Don't worry. We're not dropping anything. Things are 75 cents a pop. Come on, man. Well, I think the price does go up at some point, doesn't it? Um, they get nicer printing at some point. Maybe that's the phase three or four. Yeah. All right. Should we talk justice? That's what I care the most about. <laughs> More than anything. See, that was a good transition. Yeah, okay, that works. Because we work together on it. <laughs> okay. So first six issues of Justice. Um, Justice appears out of nowhere in, in a crappy part of New York City, Alphabet City perhaps, um, and immediately starts judging violent drug dealers. Um by judging, we mean reading their aura, showing that it's evil, and killing them. <laughs> uh, really brutally, just vaporizing them with his powers. Um, so he follows along, essentially, um, you know, works his way up the criminal gangs to finding their leaders. Um, and in doing so, runs into uh, undercover FBI agent Becky Chambers. Um, accidentally slash on purpose vaporizes her undercover partner <laughs> which is kind of a, a fun moment in that in the early in the first issue right yeah yeah um so basically she arrests him uh but ends up 
you know, after being attacked by sort of mysterious goons from space, kind of following him as he escapes, uh, ropes in a cab driver, Artie, uh, who we always think is going to disappear, but keeps popping back up um, as he's just out pursuing justice. So yeah, he's found his way up to the top of the chain and the drug gangs and realized that that actually has some connections to his world because as it turns out, Justice is an alien who looks just like us, but has been mysteriously teleported to Earth. Um, so yeah, he Well, let's he say that it, yeah, it seems um, he has evidence to support that story um, because yeah, you start seeing these monsters attacking him and the other characters. So um, it's, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, through the course of the book, eventually we, we learn more, you know, every once in a while we'll learn sort of more about his world. Um, but basically, you know, he, he needs to drive to New York, to California, uh, where the big bad is. Um, you know, on the road trip, there's an issue where um, essentially he stops at a diner and it's kind of fun and cute until, you know, one of the uh, evil powered underlings of the uh, the big boss uh, basically slaughters everyone at the diner including Hoyt Pittman <laughs> one of our no. fun side characters who didn't last very long um, Hoyt was one of these of characters that you if you read the um, the first articles about the new universe they're like and we'll also meet Hoyt Pittman who'll be a hard-nosed FBI agent who'll be around for a while keeping an eye on justice and you're like two issues later ouch <laughs> yeah you made the mistake of going to the bathroom um the most relatable yeah, so thing that that kind of bonds him justice with becky chambers as they eventually go to la um and then mexico and basically fight evil wizards <laughs> right? yeah I, I don't know what to call them except wizards the the people who were from Justice's world have access to evil magic. They funnel evil energy back home so that their friends can fight Justice's people. Um, and they do magic stuff here to some yeah. degree or another. So, so Justice back home in his world is in love with sort of a princess or a queen? I think I queen... Think queen right who has a king um uh, but then also on earth in love with becky chambers uh, but when he confronts the villain uh, these evil wizards dad which is like the worst name ever for your ultimate villain just calling him dad but uh essentially uh, then he starts getting mixed up and sort of teleported back and forth between his world or dimension and ours um, and then eventually losing Becky Chambers to his original world. So the bad guy escapes, takes Becky with him. Uh, Justice is left uh, kind of listless back home, uh, reunites with Artie, uh, but then rediscovers his purpose as he kind of rescues, but then also loses a, a little girl in issue six, which was quite good. Um, so yeah, as it stands now, you know, he's kind of, you know, back and motivated again, but uh, again, perhaps not sure how to or can't 
follow up and rescue Becky, but is going back to pursue justice again. Your favorite thing. That's what I love from him. Justice. Yeah, his um Yeah, it it's it's a bit more to buy into because it's not like he's developed a superpower. The white event um, connection is that they were trying to kill him in his world. And at that same moment, the white event happened. And and so instead of dying, he woke up here. That's the ostensible connection now, at least as we have it. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I, I've justice himself, the character I always didn't like. He has this sort of um, hard nosed, like all business attitude, but he's also very like innocent and man out of place because he's from another world. So he'll be, you know, judging these like uh, goons in one panel and then like trying to figure out how to make a frozen dinner in the next, you know, it's, it's a fun mix of things. I don't know. Um, yeah, I would agree. It's, it's definitely, uh, you know, if it was just tough guy, vaporizing, edgy, you know, judge dread kind of stuff, right? Like it would, it wouldn't work as well. Right. Right. And uh, I was definitely skeptical initially of the, you know, almost like masters of the universe, He-Man kind of like world that he came from. Mm-hmm. Um, Seems to have like five people in it, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, when he's, when he's on earth causing and solving problems, that's uh, usually a, a good thing for the book. Yeah. It's um, I, I guess I'll throw it out now. Um a lot of people complain about the rules of the new universe being there shouldn't be any aliens and there shouldn't be any magic and justice is kind of both. Yeah. Um, so to me, I'm okay with that in the sense that it's not um, like magic, like anything can happen. It's like, it's more like a paranormal power that he's using. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he's got yeah, a, I agree. a sword and a shield, and he judges people. He reads their auras, but he's not just sort of granting wishes or some whatever. Um, so yeah, and I don't feel like they have to stick really hard to like some central concept, right? Like, yeah. If if every book had an alien in it, that would that would defeat the purpose. Right. 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 If one book does. And then you deal with it well. And then, you know, again, like he's not, the world's not being taken over. You know, it's not uh, totally out there kind of stuff. It's really him kind of dealing with the world. And then also some some bad guys from his uh, home planet per se. Like, yeah, I like it. It doesn't bother me. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it adds like a level of challenge to him that I don't know if any of the others have. Maybe DP7. But like, yeah, the the... He's fighting, you know, these guys who are like five steps ahead of him most of the time. And he doesn't even know what's going on half the time, but he's still like in their, in their face, you know? Um, Yeah. I guess there's like, 
to me, like the white event being this sort of division between our world and this new world order, we'll call it. Um, so I, when you say there's no like, you know, magic, I'm okay with like magic starting at that point or having sort of a limited uh, amount of it that, you know, people can access. Um, right. Or just confusing or having people wonder if these new powers are magic. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, um, it's not a world changing kind of magic. It's at least in not our world, apparently. Um, but um I mean, there, there's like a, a role-playing game called Shadowrun where like, I don't know, for some reason something changes and then like dragons and elves and stuff come back into the modern world. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, white event and then there, this happens and now this, these powers or something are more accessible than they were before. You know, I, that, you know. It's as re- as rational, I think, as as just a straight superhero powers are science fiction, and um, I don't know. Yeah, we don't have to be super sticklers. Yeah, we're if not too works, worried it about it. Um, <laughs> so let's see. Overall rating. You want me to go first this time. Should I? Um, should I? I'll say B plus. Sometimes it, it feels A minus, but I'll, I'll play it safe. <laughs> play it safe. Yeah, I, I was A minus. I think it's it's one I uh, generally enjoy the most. Nice. So let's see. Then our final uh, comic is DP seven. Um, DP being Displaced Paranormals was the story of seven random people who started developing new powers after uh, the white event happened. They don't really recognize that as the inciting uh, event, but most of them uh, start seeing something different going on in their bodies or expressing some weird power. And they go to a research clinic, the clinic, in somewhere in Wisconsin. And they go into like a therapy group with several with several others, and that's the the team of seven forms. They discover that this clinic has some sinister plans and is maybe uh, mind controlling them in their sleep. So they escape and go on the run. Um, the first couple three issues were uh, they're fending off attacks from three paranormals who are working for the clinic. Uh, we later found those were like an earlier test subject group. Um, they, but you know, there's several of them and they can kind of work together, even though they weren't trained in like a danger room or anything, but uh, they, they, they have a good variety of powers. Some of them are pretty weird. Um, and um, they managed to fend off the clinic, trying to grab them and take them back. While they're on the road, they have some uh, adventure like solving a local mystery of a thing called the Wampus, which um, people get, you you wander into a small town and, you know, everyone looks at you suspiciously because there's something weird going on. Turns out it's not them, it's something else. 
but they solve it and ride off into the sunset. Um, they tried curing themselves by going to an exorcist. That did not work. Um, and they had that uh, crossover with the Kicker's Inc. One of the characters has a is a young housewife who very much misses her children. Her ex, no, it's still her husband, is uh, very much uh, put off by her powers. Um, so there's uh, sort of desire to get rid of their powers and get back to normal life in most of them. A couple of them not are enjoying them, and a couple of them just uh, find it inconvenient, you know. So in the last couple of issues, the youngest member is sort of a teen runaway type um, that Andy loves so much. <laughs> Storms off and he gets in trouble. Um, big fight using his powers in public. So we'll see where that goes. Um, the team was going to split up into like uh, smaller groups to go try to grab um Stephanie's kids themselves and some of them looking for the young guys. And there's also more mercenaries or bounty hunters sent by the clinic that we know. So things are heating up over there. Um, They're getting scorching. <laughs> um, it's one of the few books that uh, people, someone suggested they have like um, code names, but they never use them. So... Uh, yeah, the um, team is quite interesting. I, I, I Going behind the scenes a bit, I know I saw an interview with Gruenwald, the writer, that um, he was purposefully trying to think of like different kinds of teams. Like if uh, a normal team, everyone's the same age, these guys are all over from like 66 to 15. They're a very... Uh, unlike any other superhero team book that you've read before. And that was part of his um, plan from the beginning, I think. Yeah, and it works pretty well, I'd say, too. Yeah, Grunewald is a good writer, and he's paired up with Paul Ryan. And we'd, I'd forgotten to mention they were started together on uh, Squadron Supreme a year or two before this, which is also a great uh, limited series if you ever get a chance. Um, they're, they're the most consistent team and um, a very strong one all the way through. The writing and art are just um, everything I'd want from, from a book. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's very much the case. So like the, it's sort of a unique look at the, you know, a world with superpowers with a very unique bunch of people it, it doesn't follow any superhero tropes or any team comic book tropes and uh it does a nice job with them oh they're arguing but surely they'll get back together at the end of it no no <laughs> it's like storming <laughs> off and who knows if we'll see him again yeah yeah it's a um the, the characters are all um like i say from all walks of life uh, different ethnic ethnicities, um, ages. So you'll have like a 
the the character you expect to be the the leader is eh, not really the leader if anyone is i'm not sure um because yeah people will argue with each other constantly and you know they're they're free people they will storm off rather than take an order from you know there's no professor x directing everyone so yeah one of the things i like about dp7 which is maybe a little incongruous with the rest of the new universe but it doesn't bother me it's just like their powers are handled um in kind of a grounded realistic way in a way right so you know david landers becomes super strong right but he's not just magically super strong and like he grows and gets super muscly and he loses his hair like he's a steroid freak kind of thing like so it's like the very uh you know, if you were going to get super strong, like, how would that happen, right? Like, yeah, I mean, you can't be small, right? You know, you wouldn't have enough mass. You, you If you're going to be really strong, like, that just has to mean more muscles, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no, like, I don't know, the official handbook of Marvel would have all these, like, how does Bruce Banner become the Hulk when the Hulk is, like, 500 pounds heavier? Um, so, yeah. David Landers just grows over a couple weeks, I guess, and was really horrified to see his body changing like that. But and then we yeah, we had the other character who's who's a speed guy and who's just constantly in motion. He cannot sit still. Um, so some of those work out well as as um, sort of thinking through how it would look, how it would really work. Um, yeah, I think in the last issue, like he held a soda can and it just it just shook it up instantly and spread all over the place and everyone harassed him it was like you know you can't do that you have to let someone else open it for you <laughs> thanks jeff yeah but yeah we spent a lot of the early escape from the clinic like with him trying to find food <laughs> <laughs> that's right he's stealing food all the time and uh yeah. at least one or two of the other characters feels bad about it but yeah, yeah. and he does too but then but but yeah, what are you going to do about it? Like, you're just going to yeah. die? Or like, do you go to jail? Do you go back to the clinic, which is trying to brainwash you? Like, what choice have you got at that point? Yeah, indeed. Yeah, the clinic is a good, like, villain group. There's, like, one guy who's definitely the leader. Um, and then, presumably, you know, it's, it's not um, impossible that there's people there that, you know, would be on their side if they went back. I don't know. Um, but we'll see where this is going. But we've got more mercenaries. I don't know if they have powers yet either. Um, yeah, they're mysterious still. Still. And that's uh, what we've got coming up. Um, yeah. So let's see. A rating? Do you want me to go first? Do you want to go first? Well, it's no secret. It's an a, easy A for me. Easy A. I'm going A minus. <laughs> okay. Let's hear you justify that. <laughs> a minus is a perfectly good grade. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it's stable. Like, it's well done. You know, um, me, I like. I think Starbrand's a little over the top, better just because it's, yeah, it's got a little more like kind of style and flash to it, and 
you know, the romance and the love interest and the explosions. And, you know, DP7 is really grounded and well done and well drawn. And like everything about it is good, but. I mean, get, I mean those are two like strong examples of like a team book versus a solo book and Starbrand is really uh, unusual in that it's really from ken's point of view it's not like um you know it doesn't there's not a third person omniscient viewpoint it's really just focused on him it's not really his like i me let me you know think about things but you do sort of see some thought balloons with him but not the other characters and so um DP7 definitely has uh, you know, a, a large cast and th- they're all sort of bouncing back and forth. So you don't really get inside them as much, but um, you have that sort of different dynamic where uh, you enjoy a crowd of um, contrasting um, but strong characterizations going. Yeah. And I think probably the, the most recent issue we covered was probably the best with like some real emotional highs with with scuzz that's true yeah. um, it did it started off a bit slow i will admit um the first couple of issues were like um okay okay yeah so yeah but i'm yeah. on a high from that last issue or two probably <laughs> um okay fair enough so let's see looking over all the the things we've talked about um so there's Spitfire and Merc were did not really interact with the white event. Um, Justice is a little tenuous. Starbrand, it seems like there's a connection, but it hasn't been brought out yet. But you know, the the power that Ken is expressing, it's not a paranormality, we think, but um it does seem to be related to the other uh, events going on around him. So right, he could potentially give it up. Potentially, yeah. Um, you know what I was thinking the other day is like, if there's anyone who would be investigating like the white event or like be useful for Ken's looking at the star brand, the troubleshooters who actually he met already. Ah. Uh-huh. You know, he's like, he grabs like a microscope off a kid's shelf to look at his clothes <laughs> to see if they're, it's like, you know, people at MIT, <laughs> come on, man. So yeah, if there's like a, I've been thinking like the troubleshooters should have been the people investigating some of this stuff. It's, uh, they don't have powers themselves, but they could be out there sort of looking into what's going on. Yeah, that's very true. Like, They're the only like scientists we have, I'm afraid. Yeah, we could be running some tests and you know, doing better than Myron, at least. Yeah, Myron's not, I mean, he's a psychiatrist or something. Uh, um, and <laughs> I was gonna, psychiatrist. I was gonna say a couple of them need a like a stronger villain. I know Cyforce has like the KGP, but we haven't sort of seen a consistent guy. You know, a face to a, a crowd coming at them. Um, aside yeah. from the kids, I don't it know. Could be whoever sent uh, Cy Stalker Thomas against them, but it also might not be. We don't know. Yeah, but yeah, it's only been in one sh- issue. It's not exactly like a key villain. 
Yeah, if that builds, that'll be good. I'll, I'll enjoy that. I think uh, a couple of the others, we don't really, you know, have an antagonist uh, in kickers or in Merc. Yeah, kickers. Um, it could have been the fist, you know, and Merc. It could have been the guy who like sent the assassins at the baseball game, but then you know they weren't. They they haven't really been there, so. Yeah, yeah. It's open question if we'll circle back to those guys and, and some of those issues. So overall, um, yeah, there's a lot of what we've talked about is the theme of the new universe is very different in uh, being not very heroic in the classic sense, being more people just dealing with powers. What would that be like? Uh, how would that change their lives? Would they be able to use them to help people? And would they do it if they had the chance? Stuff like that. I think I put you to the question in one, like what would you do <laughs> as well? hide there yeah <laughs> i mean yeah it's like if you've got several levels you have to go through one is people won't believe you and yep. then two is you'd be afraid that people would you know uh reject you or or um use you i guess you know you can imagine grabbing there's a couple of characters that can heal you and so like there was an old man trying to extend his life a few more weeks with one of them. It's like, you can imagine rich people like fighting over, no, I want the, the, the heal power person. Um, I'll uh, frame them for murder and stick them in my basement. You know, so if they ever break <laughs> out, they'll be uh, chased. I don't know. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, um, we're in, like I said, with the kickers, if they just there was like a chance to be heroic and expose these powers, maybe people would get on board with it. But um, we'll see if that's the direction they're going to go in the new universe. We've got uh, a few more months of all eight issues coming. Yeah, <sighs> many, many, many more to read. Awesome. So let's see. We were going to mention our super sleuth summer sweepstakes. Uh, we will announce the winner probably through our social media um, as it is. Uh, so we don't date our podcast a little too much. These things are timeless, man. Timeless. <laughs> um, but we will remain uh, the, the, um, Part on our website will remain open through season two. So if you are listening to this, there's still a chance for you to go over and take the quiz. Uh, show Unless off your knowledge. 2054 or something. And then, well, we're all just communicating through implants or something. Yeah, don't worry about it. Um, all entrants are eligible for prizes. Um, there will be um, a chance to get a, you know, modest sticker or some other little merch that we're uh, trying to put together to entertain you. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, any more thoughts? Um, I think that just about covers it, right? So, you know, as oh, we'll take any questions through social uh, right. media or um, email at newuniversepodcast at gmail.com. 
That's right. Which is also, uh, you can find that email on kickersinc.com website so you don't have to remember it. Excellent. The website being kickersinc.com. Kickersinc.com, um, you say? Yes. www.kickersinc.com. That's the direct way. <laughs> um, so if you have a question for us, uh, you can either reach us there and um, if you include a, an address, we'll be happy to send you something. Uh, you can hit us up on our Twitter or Andy's on the Facebook fan club page uh, frequently. Um, and we promise to uh, try to answer any questions we get so far. Let's get some fan interaction. Yes, much like the new universe itself, it's time to get some actual <laughs> people writing in and not just kissing our butts. Come on, guys. <laughs> tell us how terrible we are i will uh, cry and then talk about it no no wait a second hey yeah ixnay you can write andy if you want to tell him how terrible he is <laughs> i'm a very sensitive guy anyway any more i think let's wrap it up all righty thanks for joining us on this little recap issue episode we will be back in two weeks um taking a a uh, quick break in the middle here. Um, and we'll start in on the issue number sevens with Starbrand and Spitfire, of course. Um, and on we go through season two. Have a good week, and we'll see you back at the spinner rack. All right. <laughs>